Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Today, we have with us a special guest, Tiffany Toombs. You may know Tiffany as an international speaker and leading expert on rewiring the unconscious mind for success and tapping into your personal potential. For over 20 years, Tiffany has educated and transformed the lives of people across the world. She is the author of Stop Being a Selfish, Selfish Bitch, because <laughs> you can't really do that politely, a comprehensive guide to living your best life through radical self-love, a top-rated self-help book, and the host of the top-rated podcast, Motherhood Unfiltered. So welcome, Tiffany. I'm so excited to be here, Tammy. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm I'm excited to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your story. We talked a little bit before we came on, just one sentence, but I want to hear a little bit more about it from you. Yeah. So um, I was actually thinking when you, when we were talking beforehand that I often say that, you know, my stepmom was the survivor of domestic violence and she became my abuser. But uh, while my biological mom will never admit to it, we do know that my, my biological father was emotionally abusive as well. So there was just a lot of abuse in my childhood, but uh, my mom and my biological dad split when I was three months old and she went on to find an amazing man who became my stepfather, treated me like his own, had his own trauma, obviously, but um, that was like the the loving laughter side of my childhood. And then my biological father went to on to find a woman who, when he met her, was actually living in a domestic violence shelter, a women's shelter. Uh, and I actually remember she still had fresh bruises, like that's how fresh out of her last relationship she was. And this was, you know, early nineties, late eighties. So he couldn't go into the women's shelter. So I'm like three and four and he's sending me into the shelter to get her. So I'm seeing women in like the most vulnerable and worst times of their life. Um, and she ultimately became my abuser. So she ended up locking me in closets, burning me with curling irons, for years, she told me that strangers hated blonde-haired, blue-eyed girls and would unalive them if they saw them. And so whenever I acted up, so to speak, she would put me into the car, drive me to the outskirts of the city that I'm from, and tell me that she was going to leave me for a stranger to come and unalive. Um, and then there was one or two occasions where she threatened to kidnap me and never, and I would never see my family again. And so that was all between the ages of, uh, of about three and 10. And mm. then they moved to the other side of Canada and I never had to see them again. There was a lot of, um, guilt ridden conversations because I wouldn't, I refused to go see them on the other side of Canada at that point. Um, but yeah, so that, that really like the formative years of my life was what I experienced. And 
I also never felt like I could go home and talk about it because my biological dad would play mind games with my mom. So he would give me photos of him and my mom's wedding and tell me to go home and put it on the fridge. And the first time this happened, I was three and I didn't know, right? Right. We didn't know any better. We're just doing what we're told. And my mom pulled me aside and told me that that really hurt my stepdad's feelings. And so from the age of three, I realized I had to compartmentalize my two lives and I was responsible for all the adults' feelings. And Mm. so I never talked about what was going on and it was never brought up. And now, you know, as adults, we've had the conversation and my mom was like, you know, I thought it was weird. You would come home and spit in my face. And I'm like, you didn't think maybe something was going on, but, um, (laughs) you know, there, there was a lot that, that I went through during those ages that I had to unpack later in life. Oh, I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to pick you lost me at lock me in closets because that's a you know, I always I always say that that's one of my when we talk about like thinking back to your childhood, what that was one of my scariest moments was my mom would lock me in closets. I can remember my brother like sliding saltine crackers under the door so I could eat and stuff like that. And it's like, who does that? Like, really, who does that? You know? And she had, she had a real young daughter. Like I was maybe like six or seven at those ages. And she had a young daughter who was only like three and four. And her daughter would be on the other side of the door being like, are you okay? And again, I was responsible for everybody else's feelings. So her daughter's freaking out that I'm locked in the closet and I'm having to comfort the person on the outside that I'm okay. (laughs) And that it's okay that I'm in here. It was just like a really messed up situation. Well, and that type type of manipulation manipulation between mother and father and stepmother and stepfather. I mean, those dynamics alone are are crazy. My my uh, my father actually married my mother's best friend, so it was you know, and they were alcoholics the whole time. They all drank together. I can remember being at parties and walking around the corner and seeing my dad, and then my future stepmom like making out grass. I'm like, okay, something's not right. You know, it's just, just yeah. nuts, like crazy. So you talk a lot about, I mean, uh, one thing you wrote in your your message to me here that I want to kind of stress or, or talk about is the childhood chaos leading to stress addiction, because I like the yeah. way you worded that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think I've met one adult ever who didn't have a nervous system and a body that was stuck in what I call stress addiction. So kind of the long of the short of the science is that every time we have a thought, our body releases the hormone in response to that thought. And that causes a feeling or an emotion, which then leads to more thoughts of the same quality. Now on the average day, we have 60,000 thoughts and 80% of those are negative. So for 80% of our day, we're pumping out these stress hormones Now, over time, if you imagine that we had like a thermostat, right, that always brought us back to a default emotion, when we're constantly being pumped full of stress hormone over time, that resets our emotional thermostat to stress, anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, overwhelm, overstimulation, overthinking, whatever it is. And so that's where we feel most comfortable. But on top of that, our body cells actually start to become chemically addicted to cortisol and adrenaline, our two Mm -hmm. main stress hormones. And so 
for a lot of people, like it's easy to say like adult life creates this, this, uh, stress addiction with, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and climbing the corporate ladder and just the hustle and bustle of day to day life. But for most people, it actually starts in childhood because Mm -hmm. if your childhood is chaotic, that's what you learn is normal. And so that's where you feel most comfortable. And you'll look to recreate that chaos in all aspects of your life when you grow up. So, you know, we've seen, I used to do it in relationships. I would date the nice guy instead of friend zoning him. But then that would, you know, I'd be like, this is so boring. Mm -hmm. There's no, we call it chemistry or passion, but there's just no drama. Right. Or, you know, we do it with our finances. We get in a ton of debt and then we're living paycheck to paycheck to pay that off. Or, you know, we make bad financial decisions or, you know, in business, the way it shows up is we'll have a really good month and then we just can't show up the next month. And we, it's like, Mm -hmm. we have to have our back against the wall. So most of the people who come to me who are in stress addiction, they're like, there's this situation in my life. I'm sick of the revenue roller coaster. I'm sick of always fighting in my relationship. I'm sick of these things. When we trace it back to it's like beginning time, it's sometime in childhood where there was a ton of chaos and they learned that's what was normal. And to the unconscious mind, to the nervous system, normal equals safe. Right. And, and it's really sad that, you know, I know the brain likes familiarity, so it doesn't, you, you're better off being comfortable with something just because you know it, even if it's so painful and you know, it's so painful to get out of that and to get into out of that comfort zone, even though it can be a horrible comfort zone. You know, yeah. I remember, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, somebody said to me recently, you know, in the personal development industry, there's the saying like, get comfortable being uncomfortable, but that's not true because most people, their comfort zone is incredibly uncomfortable. They're already used to being uncomfortable, but they're, they're comfortable with the discomfort of the familiarity. And so what it is, is we have to become certain or we have to become familiar in the unfamiliarity to create a new life. Right. And really what you need to do is you need to, like you said, come out of that subconscious reactions and overdoing and, and just, you know, it's like, it's like a positive manifestations or positive affirmations. You can say anything you want to say to yourself, but at the end of the day, when the rubber hits the road and you got to make a split decision, you're still doing it from your subconscious mind. You're still reacting from that. So it's like, you need to make, you need to change your comfort zone to be one of not discomfort. You know, I mean, I'm sure. uh, So with the expressions that people say to you, did you ever go through this did you ever go through this in your life where someone said to you, well, how does that make you feel? And you didn't even feel because you were so numb. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, like the other, the other major one that came up for me was I had this deep sense of like rejection and abandonment. And when I would bring it up to anybody, whether it was my mom or to friends Because I was like, in my mind, I was like, there's two people who should love you unconditionally. And they're your biological parents, right? The people whose DNA you have in your body. And one of them chose my abuser over me. Even if like, you know, the, the comments that I would get were, but you don't like him anyways. Like he's not a good person. Yeah. From a conscious standpoint, I know that, but an unconscious standpoint, it's like, he still rejected me. Even if I didn't want him in my life he still rejected me. He still abandoned me. And my, and then people would be like, but you have this amazing man. And I'm like, I know. 
And I'm grateful for that, but that doesn't discount. So I think, you know, it's like we numb ourselves out, but then when we do share our feelings, people discount it. And it, and then it's like, we're in this no win situation. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me about your book. So, yeah. So stop being a selfish itch, uh, was (laughs) my, it was really like my own personal journey to start. So I was living in Australia and I had lost everything. I was in business with some narcissists who forced me to resign, lost the ability to stay in Australia, forced to move back to Canada. I had like three grand to my name. And my soul was like, you need to start coaching people. Up until that point, coaching had just been like a side hustle hobby for me. And it was like, you need to go all in. Like you need, and I was like, real job, need a real job, right? My brain. And even family members were like, you'd make a great receptionist. Like, you know, running a business didn't work for you. Get a real job. And so I was journaling one day and it was like, you know, if you give into your own fear and self-doubt, then there's people out there who are waiting for you. They're not waiting for Tony Robbins. They're not waiting for Sally Sue. They're not, you know, they're waiting for Tiffany Toombs to share her message because you're who they're going to resonate with. God, the universe gave you this gift for a reason. So it's like, how many lives would you change if you stopped being a selfish and got out of your own way? And so my first year in business and like really in reclaiming my life was that like, if I just took fear and I actually took a shoebox and I wrote fear on a piece of paper and I wrote self-doubt on a piece of paper and I put them in the shoebox and I put them up on the shelf so I could still see them and know like, if I want that back at any point in time, I can just get it down and take it back because our unconscious mind is very uh, symbolic, right? So when we do that, it's like a symbol. I can see it there. And if I want it, I can get it, but I'm deciding to put that to the side now. How would I show up today if I didn't have that? And in the first year of my business, we worked with like over 300 people. We hit six figures. I met my now husband. Uh, I moved from Canada to Dallas, like just had the most amazing dramatic transformation in every area of my life. And so somebody was like, you need to write a book and share like what you've learned on this journey. And so that's what we share is, you know, understanding your belief systems, understanding your trauma, and then actionable exercises that you can start doing to make transformation. Absolutely. I love it. I was curious because I haven't read it. And I'm of all the people I have on podcasts, you know, I'm like, as guests, I'm always like, okay, I got this book. Now I got like a 50 million books in my Kindle. And I'm like, I'm going to read them all. I promise, you know, (laughs) but I was was like, I like this one because it's, it's really what it is. I was actually listening today to um, Ed Milet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was talking about just if only one thing, like every day you just say to yourself, what is one thing I could do to let go of this? What is one thing I can do to help a fellow neighbor? What is one thing? And it's one thing at a time, just walking forward, you know, just, yeah. just changing. So did you have to go through, I mean, because obviously you went through a lot of trauma. Um, I know my, I just now started coaching not too long ago, about a year or two ago. And I mean, I've been going through healing, my own healing journey for probably 30 years. And I finally just wrote two books and kind of the same thing. But what was your journey like to get to where you had that aha moment? Or what was your journey like to know that you could coach? Yeah, so um, my healing didn't really start until my my life has collapsed a couple of times. So one <laughs> led to, but before that, um, 
I was living in Australia. I'd been with my boyfriend at that time for three years and he was talking about getting ready to propose. We had just put an offer in on a block of land. He went away to a job interview one weekend. I found out while he was gone that I was pregnant. I then found out he was actually with his girlfriend in another state, not Ooh. at a job interview. Entire life collapsed, ended up having a miscarriage. And like oh. my like life, I was just, I was on my knees in total darkness and I realized that if I didn't start making change, then I probably wasn't going to survive because I was at the suicidal ideation phase. And so I did a lot of the traditional things. I did talk therapy, which helped me to realize that I had trauma and that I had been abused, but I didn't really go past that. You know, my therapist was like, you need to tell your family that you were locked in closets and burned with curling irons. And I was like, my mom has had anxiety my entire life. Like, I don't think that's going to help. And she was like, no, do it. And it just brought up a whole bunch of, bunch of guilt and shame. Other family members didn't understand how I could have kept this a secret for so long. And so it didn't, you know, I didn't get any validation or any no. support. No. It was again, me looking after everybody else's feelings. So, and this was also kind of played into the title of my book is that through the healing journey, as I really started to find things that worked, was I was called selfish and I was told, you know, that I was being a selfish itch. And I, and I think for a lot of people, especially when you've had trauma and you take on like that empath wound where now you're responsible for everybody else's emotions, you're the people pleaser that hearing that can be really jarring to our healing journey. And so for me, the most selfish thing is to not share your gifts and your healing with the world, as opposed to you sharing it is it going to ruffle some feathers absolutely and oh, yeah. like you know my people are going to have their own interpretations of it my parents were like oh you said your childhood was terrible i'm like literally those words have never come out of my mouth i've said i had two different childhoods one of love and laughter and one full of trauma and that's just the way that it was and if if there's some guilt there for you guys because that i had these experiences that's yours to work through. Like, I can't hold that for you anymore. Right. Um, so the point that I, I, I went on my whole healing journey just for myself, I had no plans of coaching. There was a couple times where like the seeds of like, Oh, maybe I would like to coach came up and then I would start accountability coaching. And I was like, this is, I just feel like a babysitter to adults. And so I don't like this. But when I found the tools that I use now, I use NLP hypnosis and some somatic uh, tools. That was a game changer. And I realized that I really had a love for like the neuroscience, the, the understand, the deep understanding of what's going on in the brain. And that was when I knew that I wanted to start sharing it with the world was it just like, it lit a fire in me that I was like, I can't stop learning about this. And now I can't stop talking about it. So I need to share it at a deeper level. And I think that's, that's exactly what I, you know, I would be like, okay, before someone's going to hypnotize me, I'm going to get certified to be a hypnotherapist because I'm not having anybody do anything on me unless I can call them out on it, you know? So I, yeah. it, same thing. I ended up with a master NLP certification and, a you know, I, I do a, I've tapped out people at the airport that are getting afraid to fly that I've never met. I'm like, Hey, can you give you ever heard of EFT tapping? Can you give me five minutes? Like, you know, yeah. and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, just in case I have to sit next to her on the plane, you know, <laughs> like I want to make sure she's good, but yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. And everybody's aha moment is 
different. So many people I talk to, it's around a child, you know, or a child getting ready to be born. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what are all these things I need to unpack to figure out before so that I can be a good model or so I can be a, a, a good example for this child, you know? So yours yeah, was I, a little different. <laughs> yeah. That being said, um, my son was born in 2022. He's almost 18 months now. And oh. that was like the whole next level of my healing. Like I went through a cycle and then when I got pregnant with him, it brought up just a whole, the next, the next layer deep, right? We peeled one more layer off the onion and I went through another healing cycle. Yep. And there's going to be many more because that's just part yeah. of the game. You know, that's just, that, that's the thing I wish somebody had told me at the beginning. I thought there was like an exit point, like a destination of like, I'm shiny and healed, but that doesn't exist in this life. No. And, and because something's always going to come up because I always say like, God doesn't give you stuff that you can't handle right now. He's going to throw it at you bits and pieces so that you can deal with it and and put it in a, in its own space and deal with it and then get, move on to the next thing. But, but yeah, I mean, you've already, you've already gone through the test. You survived the yeah. test, you know, now you have the testimony. So now it's like just moving forward again, continuing to move forward. So you do mostly with your clients, you do NLP work and hypnosis. Is that what you focus on or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the, mo- for the most part, we use the hypnosis, an active form of hypnosis to unpack, to do the inner child healing, to reclaim their power. Um, and then we'll tidy up any limiting beliefs with NLP. Nice. Very nice. So, so tell us, what are you working on now? Are there any big projects? Are you, are you just doing one-on-one coaching or how are you, what is your platform? So right now we have introduced, uh, and where my focus is, is providing high quality healing uh, tools for people that are at a low cost. Because when I started, I, I mean, if I had had money, I probably would have been able to jump into the five and $10,000 courses earlier. I don't know that I would have because investing that much in myself back then would have felt crazy. Um, But I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was living paycheck to paycheck. And so I did look for a lot of like free or very low cost things And those I found tended to be low quality. And so, um, you know, my healing journey probably took five years longer than it needed to the first cycle um, because I had to like slowly build up how much money I could spend um, to get into some of the higher, higher quality things to go deeper. So we want to make sure, and, and, you know, we know that trauma impacts everybody, but it also the people who stay stuck in financial disempowerment are more likely to perpetuate. So oh, yeah. uh, that that's what we've been working on is a very high quality, low cost option for people to start their healing journey and to get powerful tools that help them make powerful shifts. Well, and I love it. And it doesn't cost a lot of money to make those shifts for yourself. If you're willing to do the work, if you're you yeah. just need to have the tools. So I love it that you, you know, have a toolbox for people. And, and I love, I kind of do very much the similar thing. Like I want, I do a group coaching and people are like, why don't you charge $10,000 for it? Because no, because I, I'm the same way. Like they didn't even have the internet when I started my process. So like like what I wouldn't have done to have all those resources at my hand, but it was literally, there wasn't options. And I'm like, no, everybody should have access to getting better and self-care. And, and it's just, you don't know what you don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, we do have $15,000 programs, but we also have 27 for people who either aren't ready or can't make that leap. Right. And sometimes it's just making people aware because I talk to people that are 50, 60, 70 years old and they don't say I'm not stuck. They don't use those words like I'm stuck. They use words like, oh, God, I've just never been happy. I can't pick the right people. I just can't say no. I can't. You know, I'm just not happy with money, relationship, work, nothing. It's like and like you said, 99 percent of the time, if you trace it back far enough, it has nothing to do with what's going on right now. It's what happened 40 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. So if people want to talk to you, want to get hold of you, want to work with you, what is the best place they can reach you? So social media or email. So email being Tiffany at bluelotusminds.com. Otherwise, I'm on every social media platform, but most active on Facebook and TikTok. If you okay. just search Tiffany Tombs, you'll find me. Okay. And I'll put all your links in the show notes and all that other good stuff. But okay. I love I love your perception perception. I like to get different things. And that's why we do this show is to have different perceptions of different things. And you've had different experiences. All of our experiences are unique. Um, But at the same time, it all goes back to childhood. It goes back to those limiting beliefs. It goes back to that inner child and that, you know, the damage that was done before you were able to make your own conscious decisions as to what you should believe. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I love that you work on that. So if you had to give people some words of wisdom or advice from Tiffany, Tiffany Tombs, what would it be? So I would say that somebody else's trauma and how good or how bad it was does not take away from your own experience. There's mm-hmm. I, I did this and I've run into a lot of people who are like, somebody else had it worse. Your nervous system isn't going, you know what? you're right. That person had it worse. So I'm only going to mildly dysregulate you. It just goes dysregulated or not like there's trauma or there's not. And so we don't have to compare ourselves. We don't have to judge ourselves. It's not a contest. It's just about how can we heal and allow that ripple effect to make its way through our communities. I love that because there's two expressions that I absolutely love. And one is comparison is the thief of joy. And the other one is if you're not feeling joy on a daily basis, you have literally missed the, the, the reason of existence. Yeah. That's That's our, our good friend Deepak. (laughs) He's good at that. So great. Well, I want to ask one more thing. Okay. So you're talking about just dysregulated nervous systems and we didn't really get into that. That's a topic of a lot of conversations when you're dealing with trauma. Can you leave our listeners with maybe two or three things that they can do um, first of all, just explain like in one sentence or one, two sentences, what a dysregulated nervous system is for those of you that didn't see some of the earlier episodes, but then also maybe one or two quick things to just calm that nervous system. Yeah. So a dysregulated nervous system is the nervous system in stress addiction. So that's where you go into the fight, flight, or freeze. Your body basically feels like a bear is chasing you 24 seven. And so you become more focused on how do I survive now? instead of how do I make sure my future is amazing? So, you know, the root of everything, the foundation of everything is regulating your nervous system. And so um, the best exercise that I can give people is called the physiological sigh. I'll demonstrate it, but it's a double inhale, exhale. So breathe in through the nose, pause, breathe in again, and then full exhale through the mouth. So it looks like this, pause, And so uh, do a minimum of four rounds, but if you can do five to 10 minutes of that every single morning, 
And that's going to have a greater impact on calming your nervous system than five minutes meditation. And if you're somebody who struggles to meditate, do that before your meditation. The reason that you're struggling with meditation is likely because your nervous system is dysregulated. And if a bear's chasing you, now's not the time to sit there legs crossed and like, you know, being totally present. So uh, <laughs> nervous system regulation is the foundation of it all. Oh, I, I 100% agree. And sometimes it's very hard to like even breathe deep when you're having like in the full throes of it being dysregulated and you're in an anxious state. Even that deep breathing sometimes is is tough for people. Absolutely. It's counterintuitive. And that's why we want to create some space. Right. So excuse yourself to go to the restroom, step outside, you know, put your tech down. It's easy. It's easier to pick up your phone and start scrolling TikTok or Facebook or whatever but it's going to be better for you to put down the phone, go to the restroom, go somewhere for, you know, a minute if you have to, and just do that breathing exercise for one minute, it's going to have a better impact on your nervous system and ultimately your mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really enjoyed having you. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. And for everybody else out there that is listening to another episode, this was Tiffany Toombs and we're excited to see about her book and get her book and find out more. And as she, I mean, we all talk about the same thing. There is always, no matter how bad it was, your bad is your bad. Own it. Don't try to negate it. Don't try to think it wasn't as bad as it was or anything else. Um, You deserve the absolute best, the absolute best self-care and the absolute best care for sure. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.